Welcome to Tough Cookie Talks. I'm your host, Jenna Josephowski, but you can call me Jenna J. I'm a semi-retired professional dancer, dance teacher and yoga teacher, turned certified personal trainer and kettlebell instructor who helps active women learn to lift and get strong with equal parts challenge and compassion. After years of working in the fitness industry, I got sick and tired of watching people, including myself, run themselves into the ground trying to uphold the narrow-minded image of what our culture sees as healthy and fit. But instead of giving it all up, I decided that I'd rather change the game, call out the BS, extract the good, and help others learn to use movement as a way to build themselves up rather than tear themselves down. On this podcast, we'll explore the intersection of fitness and anti-diet culture and all the gray areas in between. We'll let go of shoulds and judgment and dig into tough conversations with curiosity. Things get pretty spicy around here. So grab your headphones and let's do this. Hey friends, welcome to Tough Cookie Talks. I'm not sure if you can hear the rain out here right now, but I'm sitting in my she shed recording in my backyard as I do and it is raining. Actually, the first time it's ever been raining while I've recorded a podcast. So I'm not exactly sure how this audio is gonna pan out, but we are going to do it anyway, because I have a lot to say. And I didn't even realize how much I had to say. In fact, I wasn't even planning on recording this podcast episode right now because I already have things scheduled out for the next couple of weeks. But last night I sat down to create an Instagram post that was supposed to be just like a witty one-liner that took up one slide and it wound up turning into a whole dissertation. It was like a 10 slide swipeable thing. I feel like maybe I should link to it in the show notes. And I feel like it just merits a whole conversation because wow, there's a lot to this. So the thing that we are going to talk about today is the idea of anti-diet or weight neutral or body positive, whatever you want to call it, this approach to fitness and how a lot of people, I think means that that approach means that something is going to be too easy. And I get it. I get how that impression might come across for some people. And I want to have a conversation about it today. I think I've been marinating on this idea for a while now as a result of, I guess, some trolling and some stuff that I sort of heard through the grapevine a couple of months ago, which really all started uh, from kind of two different places. One, I had made a post to my Instagram about push-ups and talking about how most people are not equipped to be able to do push-ups from their toes well. And then I offered a bunch of different push-up variations that people could try. And a former colleague of mine, somebody that I used to work with, came out of the woodwork. He didn't even follow me anymore, um, but was basically trolling my post saying that we need to not baby people and, you know, like people can do full push-ups if we expect them to do full push-ups and all of this. I'm like, whoa, 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 dude, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I was saying in that moment is, and you probably know this to be true, push-ups from your toes from a plank on the floor 
are fucking hard if you have not practiced them. And for most people, I would argue the vast majority of personal training clients that walk through my door to be able to do those through a full range of motion does not come easily or naturally in order to get a person to that place where they can do something like that something hard like that, if they even want to do it and do it well, it require, requires some strategic um, progressions and regressions and exercise variations. So I'm going to start a client when they come to me like that with a different variation, most likely an incline push-up with their hands elevated or something similar, and then we're going to work them down. That was the whole purpose of the post, meeting people where they are to help them get where they want to go. That is what's behind my philosophy on fitness. That is not to say that I am going to automatically force somebody to do incline push-ups if they are capable of doing push-ups from a plank with ease and that's what they want to be doing. It's all context dependent, right? Anyway, so this bro that I used to work with came out onto my Instagram page to troll me and there was a little bit of back and forth. And then I heard later, also through the grapevine, uh, that when he left the facility that we both did in-person personal training, that he told some people that he was ashamed to work with me because of my philosophy on fitness. I'm like, cool. Good luck. Good riddance. You're missing out on a whole bunch of really cool people that you could be working with, but you're not because you're a dick. <laughs> oh, I've been holding this in for far too long, but I want to talk about this, not from a perspective of giving this dude a rebuttal, but rather from the idea that this is something that you might be thinking too, especially if you're just coming around to the concept of letting go of diet culture or not obsessing about your weight or anything in relationship to that. And a lot of times what the perception is, well, is if I do this, if I go easy on myself, if I show myself compassion, sometimes if I meet myself where I am, then I'm never going to grow or I'm going to let myself go. Or you see people showing these quote unquote easier exercise variations and you're like, oh, well, that's too easy for me. So, uh, working with an anti-diet or a weight neutral, weight inclusive, body positive personal trainer is not for me. So I'm just going to like suck it up and deal with all of, you know, the diet culture bullshit that shows up in my group fitness class or whatever, because that's the only way that I can actually be challenged. That is not the case. So we're going to talk about a couple of different points. We're going to break this down. I'm going to tell you how I really feel because I have a lot of feelings on this. So first of all, to be clear, I don't necessarily identify a hundred percent with any of those labels that I just mentioned. Weight neutral, weight inclusive, body positive, anti-diet. Like, yes, I am a little bit of all of those things and not quite a hundred percent any of them for a number of reasons. We could get into the whole idea of labels and how we label ourselves. And I think that that is important. But I think what is more important is to look at each individual, particularly when you're trying to hire a fitness professional to work with and see what their values 
actually are. Because we could talk about like anti-diet or anti-diet culture and what that means. And yes, those are things that I'm against, but also I'm also for a whole lot of other things that that doesn't encompass. I'm not exactly the same as every single anti-diet person that you might know of or follow. Talking about like weight neutral or weight inclusive. Those are two different terms that are kind of used interchangeably. And some people would argue that they're a little bit different that, you know, neutrality. Some people say that neutrality towards weight is even problematic because, you know, we need to say what we're for or what we're against versus being neutral, right? Or, you know, it's better to say that you are weight inclusive, Um, But then you say the words inclusive, and if you're saying that to somebody who already feels included, then they almost feel like, well, this isn't for me either. It gets really, really complicated. It's a mindfuck. And then we talk about the idea of body positive, and that's a whole other podcast episode on its own, um, because the body positive movement, truth be told, was not made for, you know, thin white women who look like me. Like that's not where that movement came from and is perhaps not my word or my movement to claim or to co-opt or to build my business off of. So again, going down a rabbit hole, I think I need to go find my ADHD meds again. Um, Another story for another day with that one. But labels are complicated. Moral of that story. But When it comes to people who tend to agree with ideas surrounding those concepts or those labels, whether they use them or not, you often see a lot of messages coming across like, it's okay to rest or you can do this thing instead. And then insert like whatever exercise variation you deem too easy. And I put too easy in air quotes. So it's like you see the post where somebody's trying to, you know, include more people in the conversation, include more people in the workout. And they're like, okay, well, if you are not able to do push-ups from your toes, then you're going to do push-ups on the wall. And if you're somebody who can do push-ups on your toes, then you're like, oh, well, that's too easy for me. Then I'm not going to bother. This isn't for me. No, no, no. It is about meeting people where they are. So my coaching philosophy specifically is rooted in my values. And one of those values is inclusivity. I think that the fitness industry kind of sucks in the lack of representation that is there. And the vast majority of people that do not feel welcomed going to a gym space. And Because that's one of my values, it means that I'm meeting people where they are and seeing my clients, my, (laughs) seeing my clients as whole humans instead of as a quote unquote before to be fixed. So yes, in seeing somebody as a whole human and meeting them where they are, sometimes that means pushups on an incline. And sometimes that means a whole freaking burpee with a pushup and Again, we often see these easier, quote unquote, variations online represented from trainers, from gyms, from organizations that do fall under these body positive, anti-diet 
um, weight neutral, weight inclusive spaces, because that's what's underrepresented in the fitness industry. Do you know what I mean? We don't really need more people showing like ridiculous push-up variations with like a burpee on a BOSU and a, you know, balancing a freaking ball on your nose, like a damn seal and whatever, because there is enough of that. So yeah, in this space, you are going to see a lot of those easier variations again in air quotes, because we want more people to feel included as a result. If you're not necessarily somebody that's seeking those variations, you're going to feel like, oh shit, is this for me? Do I just need to stay in diet culture? My answer is a hundred percent no. And here is the thing, and this is the niche. And I think the gap that I'm trying to fill many of my clients are already overachievers in a variety of different ways. If given the choice they're going to choose to do hard things regardless of their body size, by the way, which is another story for another day about the assumptions that we make about people who have a body that looks some kind of way. But a lot of my clients really enjoy feeling like badasses and feeling like a badass is not inherently diet culture. Doing hard things is not inherently diet culture. It could be but also it might not be. And the answer is always in the why. It's in the why, the reason behind you doing the hard thing. And diet culture is something that often robs us of our ability to pause and ask why. I'm gonna ask you to pause right now and to think about it regardless of your movement, your exercise of choice. Why are you doing it? Where is the motivation coming from? Is it rooted in your values? Or is it rooted in diet culture? I don't know. That's only something that you can answer. But sometimes I think we get the perception, we get the idea that we cannot do hard things and also be against diet culture. And I don't think that's necessarily always the case. Diet culture also keeps us stuck in all or nothing thinking. It keeps us stuck in an all or nothing mindset. And so we go hard with our workouts until things like injury or illness or aging or burnout force us to go home. And I think for a lot of us, particularly coaches in this space, that tends to be the place that we're coming from where we were like, go hard, go hard, go hard. And then you get kicked in the ass with something that really forces you to reckon with who you are if you can't go hard. And so we go home and we pout and we mope because we can't, you know, do the treadmill sprints like we normally do. I remember back in the day, I used to go to Orange Theory and I had perpetually, every time I would go to my Orange Theory classes, I would do it for a couple of days a week 
And then I have like, I call it my trick hamstring because I have an old hamstring tear that sometimes likes to act up, act up and a trick Achilles. And I would do the treadmill sprints and it would aggravate it. It would get hurt. Um, it would bother me. And I felt like I couldn't do this anymore. I'm like, oh, well, what's the point? Can't go to Orange Theory. Can't do my treadmill sprints because I, you know, can't do anything now because I can't do that. But what I never, what I failed to realize, and I think what a lot of us never bother to realize in those moments of like go hard or go home is we never bother to realize all the wonderfully beneficial movements that lies in between. And we might not notice it because it's not the things that close our rings or hit our step counts or burn the most calories or make us the sweatiest or make us look the most toned or make for a before or like make for a compelling before and after photo but it's still all worth it and it all counts. And we could even argue that just because you can't do hard things in one specific way, like the treadmill sprints, doesn't mean that you can't find different ways to challenge yourself, not only physically, but also mentally, emotionally in that mindset piece. But when we're struck with these moments of rest, And moments where we're not always going and doing, a couple of really cool things happen. Number one, we're often able to accomplish bigger and better goals in the long term, if that's something that we're after. And then B, we also have these moments of clarity where we pause and question what we actually want to be doing and whether or not that's even leading us in the direction that we want to go. Sit with that for a second. I talk about this sometimes, strength training being a metaphor for life. And I think about lifting heavy weights. And in a strength training program, when you're following a program and you're going to say like, you know, press a really heavy kettlebell over your head. In order to accomplish that, you need really long rest. And I see this happen with my clients. So say they're doing overhead presses with a kettlebell, a relatively light one, and they do like 15 of them. And they're like, sweet. They put the bell down, they shake it out, and then they pick it up and they immediately go into their second set. And then they're kind of always stuck doing that lighter bell. But if we do something like say, okay, so after we just press that lighter kettlebell, we're going to go try to press this heavier one. That was our warm up, And they're like, great. They pick it up immediately. They go to press it. They can't get it up. Why? Because they're tired. They're warm. They're worn out. They haven't had time to recharge. So I'm like, cool. I read into your program. We're going to rest for like three to five minutes here. And people are like, whoa, three to five minutes rest. Like what? What am I supposed to do here? What do you mean? I'm not going to be sweaty enough. I'm not out of breath. What is happening? But inevitably, what happens is by taking that rest, they are able to take that super heavy bell that they they thought they couldn't press, and all of a sudden they can do it because they're recharged. If you don't believe me, this is 100% true, and you can try it yourself, preferably under the supervision of a certified personal trainer because I definitely don't want you trying to like PR shit, you know, without supervision if you've never tried it before. But... 
Think about that for a second. That's true with using the overhead press as a metaphor, but I think we can look at this in other areas of our life. And then we take those moments where we also pause like that day where you can't do your treadmill sprints and you're kind of pouting about it. And maybe you go for like a walk around the block or go to like a restorative yoga class or something like that. If you even allow yourself to do something like that in those moments and you're like, Oh, but maybe those treadmill sprints aren't helping me to reach my goal right now. Maybe I'm actually interested in doing something completely different. Maybe I don't care how fast I run at this season in my life. Maybe I want to, I don't even know, literally anything else, literally anything else. The moral of the story is that those moments of rest, those moments where we're not doing and going, it's able to give us more clarity on where we want to be going. So when I, and I suspect this is true for many other coaches as well, say that we don't coach intentional fat loss, it's not because we think that the people who want it are bad or wrong or the enemy. We get it. And I think for a lot of us, we have been there. And so we also know that what is underlying something like a fat loss goal, a weight loss goal, is a desire for a specific feeling or a specific outcome that you think you can only achieve through losing weight. And this is absolutely false to an extent. Now, we can argue if we're getting into things like weight stigma and stuff like that, like if you are, you know, stigmatized for your weight and you try to get on an airplane and you can't fit into the seats and you know, that feels shameful and that feels hard for you because you have to ask for a seatbelt extender or you have to pay for two seats or something like that. Like, yeah, that's a real systemic problem that we need to fight. Could that be solved by losing weight? Yeah, like that could, but also, That's a whole, again, like deeper root, like what is fucked up about our society that that is just making people feel like weight loss is like the thing and how weight stigma in the same way that it shows up for people who try to fly on an airplane that are in a larger body also shows up for those very same people not feeling welcome at the gym. And wow, I'm going on a tangent here, but I want to come back to this idea outside of the weight stigma thing, fat loss goals for a lot of people, specifically those people who want to lose a small amount of weight. I just want to lose like five to 10 pounds. I just want to get toned. And most of that, that stigma, that like internalized fat phobia is coming from within them as opposed to things that they're receiving from outside in society, in the world, we're chasing a feeling. And so what's often underlying that fat loss goal is a desire to feel more confident or to feel stronger or to feel more loved or to be able to do X, Y, Z thing. And I'd rather 
help you chase that thing directly. Because first of all, we can't control outcomes, right? There's no guarantee with absolute certainty. If you work out in this way, you're going to lose X amount of pounds. I can't tell you that if you work out exactly the way I do or eat what I eat, that you're going to look like me because we just don't know. There's a lot of this that's more complicated than diet culture would lead us to believe. But it is quite possible that in pursuit of that intentional fat loss, things could get a little obsessive. And you might wind up achieving your fat loss goal, but you might also wind up going down the path of an eating disorder because eating disorders and disordered eating are a spectrum. Often, intentional weight loss is a gateway drug that takes you to a much darker place, which is then congratulated and praised by everyone else because diet culture. But suppose you even do get yourself to that goal. You may still find you feel like garbage about yourself. And I've hundred percent been there because you realize that losing weight didn't actually make you feel any more confident or stronger or like whatever you were hoping that it would. And I say that with a lot of love because it takes one to no one. So rather than chasing the weight loss itself, I'd rather help you chase the thing that's underlying that. And sometimes that's not even something that's within a personal trainer's scope of practice in the first place. Like sometimes that involves therapy. Sometimes that involves a dietitian. Sometimes that involves like a literal doctor. But that's something that is really at the core of my values. And one of the main reasons that I choose not to coach intentional fat loss. The other thing that we often fail to realize is that quote unquote hard is relative. And so is quote unquote heavy. So if you see your friendly neighborhood anti-diet personal trainer doing an exercise with a client that you think is too easy, you're missing an important point. That client is not you and you know nothing about them. And a good personal trainer is going to hold space for what you came looking for. They're going to listen to you. And then they're going to, most importantly of all, refer out to another professional if they can't provide that thing. I see a lot of personal trainers in this space who will we'll kind of ignore or disregard their clients. They're like, hey, I have a history of an eating disorder, disordered eating. I really don't want to talk about my weight. I just want to get stronger. And the personal trainer is like, cool, like take off your shirt. Let's get some before and after. It's like, what? You weren't listening to your client. You missed the point. Now, the difference between that and what I do is if somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds, I'm going to be like, Cool, I don't really focus on that specifically. I'm not really sure what your weight's gonna happen when we do XYZ. We're gonna focus on habits. Your 10 pound weight loss goal may or may not happen. I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. And that person might be like, cool, let's do that, I'm down. And that person might be like, no, I wanna lose 10 pounds at all costs. And I will be like, great. Go visit one of these 10 million other personal trainers who will work with you on that. 
Point of the matter is I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to force my beliefs on people who aren't interested in them or don't want to change their ideas. These preconceived notions, these conventional ideas about what fitness is and what that means. I'm here to hold a space for the people who don't feel represented and who don't feel welcome and who have had like super fucked up experiences with trainers, with fitness in the past that are trying to find a better way. Like that's who I'm here for. But back to this like hard is relative thing. This is where I think a lot of that perception comes in that like a body positive approach to fitness is too easy. What you might actually be seeing is something that actually is hard for the person that that trainer is working with. So you watch me across the gym working with one of my clients and you're like, oh, well, why is she doing incline pushups with that person? Well, guess what? My client probably thinks those are difficult. We're sitting here and I'm like, okay, and I'm watching them and how many more can we do? Those 10 push-ups on that specific incline was challenging for that particular person. Same thing with heavy. You might see somebody and look across the gym and be like, oh, they're only lifting like this much weight. Like that might not be hard for them. Well, maybe it is like you don't know. So stop making assumptions. And the same is true for you, regardless of what you're doing. So this comes back, I think, to that idea, like shout out Ted Lasso, being curious, not judgmental. When we see people working out and decide that what they're doing is like too easy or too hard, or it's like laced in diet culture, or it's not without actually knowing the whole backstory behind that person, this matters. This is important. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I would venture to say that a fitness professional who has decided to do the work to divest from diet culture is going to be able to probably give you more, not only physically, but in terms of challenging your mindset around exercise, which I think a lot of us need and don't realize how much we actually need that because somebody who has decided to start to let go of diet culture in their profession. Number one, they're going against the grain and they're really challenging their beliefs. They're likely very curious and empathetic people. And they're the kind of people that are open to changing their opinion when presented with new ideas. That kind of growth is anything but easy. It is anything but easy. And I think it's really hard when you're a fitness professional and you've been taught these certain things and the entire industry operates in this certain way. And it is very easy, by the way, to sell fat loss. I could make a whole lot more money, have a lot more clients probably, If I were posting about my fat loss program, my booty program, whatever, that kind of stuff sells. It takes a really curious and empathetic and open-minded person to come around 
to these new ideas. And coming back to the idea of that personal trainer who is doing the work to divest from diet culture, being able to give you more, they're likely learning about all sorts of facets of fitness beyond the usual default of fat loss. And there's a lot in here. And I think about all of the continuing education options available to a personal trainer. And I actually remember my first continuing ed course after I got my personal trainer certification, believe it or not, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but I am, was a weight loss specialization. I got my personal trainer certification. The next piece of continuing ed that I got was a weight loss specialization. Maybe I need to do a whole podcast episode about that and what I learned from that because that was a very interesting and eye-opening experience in itself. But that's one tiny facet of fitness. And once I was able to let go of that, I was able to learn about so many different and valuable things that I undoubtedly would have missed out on had I been super focused on fat loss. I'm pausing for a moment because... I feel like, and I was, I was talking to my friend Juno about this in the DMS after she'd shared my post after it came out. I'm like, this felt like word vomit from the heart. And again, this whole topic came out of what was supposed to be a witty one liner. It was supposed to be one square with like a sentence, And it turned into a whole dissertation and so much so that I felt like I had to expand upon that post, that swipeable dissertation in a podcast episode. And I feel like there's still a whole lot more that we could continue to talk about in this realm. Because the thing that I really want to get across, um, not only to like fellow fitness professionals, because at the end of the day, I mean, I really don't necessarily care what like this gym bro that I used to work with has to say about my approach, because I think it's laughable and I know what is true for me, but I think it's important for other fitness professionals to know where people like me are coming from and to invite you and encourage you to come along on this journey with us as a professional Because again, I said this in the beginning, like you, if you're a fitness professional listening to this, are missing out on a lot of really cool, badass clients who were too afraid to come through the door in the first place because they thought you were going to shame them or judge them or make assumptions about them. And that really like fucking sucks for them, but it really sucks for you and the cool people that you could get to work with. That sounded probably really shamey. I felt like I was scolding you. Um, Truly, I feel like a side note, I get spicy about this um, because of the way this particular, one particular trainer came out to troll me. I am actually quite open um, 
to having kind and curious conversations about this with other fitness professionals. Um, you know, if you're open and, and curious and willing to have an adult dialogue about it. So, um, I am a lot kinder than I probably just came across in that moment. And I do love having these conversations and influencing other fitness professionals to come on board. Um, but if you're somebody who is not a fitness professional and you're a consumer of fitness and you're maybe looking at the ideas that I'm presenting, like, like, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. You know what I mean? Like diet culture sucks. And you know, I hate having to conform to this like narrow beauty standards bullshit. And like, I want to eat cupcakes and you know, all of this stuff that I talk about and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm on board with it. I think this is good. But then you're like, oh, but I could never work with somebody like you because you wouldn't challenge me physically. I would take a good hard look at your assumptions about that because that's not necessarily the case. Again, it's sometimes what you might see. It's what you might assume if you're following more inclusive fitness accounts because those quote unquote easier things are underrepresented in the fitness industry and they need to be shown. They do. That doesn't mean that we wouldn't meet you where you are the same way that we do anybody else. And that's, I guess, my wish for the fitness industry as a whole is more meeting people where they are, more seeing people as whole humans, more seeing the client coach relationship, not necessarily as like a, you know, higher up person telling you what to do, but rather a collaboration and an experience that we get to go through together. So I think that's all I've got on this for now anyway. Thank you for listening. I hope that ramble was just as coherent coming across in this way on a podcast as it was in my brain. Let me know what your thoughts on this are. Share it with anybody that you think might need to hear it, fellow fitness professional or friend, um, family member, whoever needs to get this message. I think that there's always room for that in between. And that's what I'm all about here on this show. So have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for listening. We will talk soon. Thanks again for tuning into Tough Cookie Talks. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to learn more about me and how we can work together, visit my website, itsjennaj.com or follow and tag me on Instagram at itsjennaj. I would love to hear from you. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, make sure that you click subscribe and follow along so that you don't miss a single show. Then take a moment and leave me a five-star rating and review so we can help this podcast and this message reach even more people. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.